the trumpet of the Lord shall sound, and time shall be no more. And the morning breaks eternal, bright and fair. When it's chosen one, rover on the other shore. And the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, 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 I'll be there. On that bright and cloudless morning when the dead in Christ shall rise and the glory of his resurrection share, when his chosen one shall gather to their home beyond the skies and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, 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 I'll be there. Let us play before the master from the dawn to setting sun. Let us talk of all his wondrous love and care. Then when all of life is over and our work on earth is done, and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, 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 I'll be there. Well, praise God, and I'm glad that my name's on that roll. Amen. Aren't you glad? Hallelujah. It's good to be in church with you this morning, and we're thankful this morning to have Brother Tino Gropi with us and uh, his wife, Robin, and, and their son, Timmy. We're thankful to have them here with us and, and uh, had a good time this week. I know some of y'all have been here for some of it. Some of you have been here for all of it, and some of you had not been here at all, but that's okay. You're here this morning, and those who aren't able to be with us, they're going to be able to watch us on Facebook Live and listen to us on Blog Talk Radio, and we're grateful for that. I do want you to pray this morning. I know y'all been praying for Miss Joanne, but from what I understood from Brother Robert this morning, they said that it's probably ulcers. Uh, they said that she's having gastro reflux, gastrointestinal reflux, acid reflux up into her esophagus and that it's irritated her esophagus, they think, and maybe that's what's bleeding. They're not sure, but they gave her blood, and they got her feeling better and sent her home because it's a holiday weekend. Ain't no doctor's going to be doing anything until probably Tuesday, so they just sent her home on a liquid diet, and she's feeling better, and, and uh, Robert Robert says she's doing good, so he, they're, they're, they're be encouraged by her. She, she, I seen her yesterday up there, and she was she was doing great, but she just worried about that thing wouldn't quit beeping in the room. That was the only thing driving her crazy. But other than that, she was good. But uh, anyway, um, also uh, got Richard's out this morning. He's with, he's, uh, with his friend Mary. He took her over to Paris. There's a church she wanted to attend. But uh pray for him. He'll probably be back with us tonight. But um, Donnie and their family, he, he talked to me this morning and said that I want to say he got around, one of them got around, he told me, but it's on my phone, it's on that stand, that one of them got around. Jackie got picked up by a friend of hers who's now tested positive for COVID, and I think he was around somebody this week who's also tested positive for COVID, but none of them have shown any symptoms yet, but they want to be on the safe side and not come up here and get everybody infected. So pray for them. They're probably watching in this morning. If they are, we're glad they're, they're watching, and, and uh, pray for them. They hate to miss, I know. So 
Anybody else we can think of we need to lift up in prayer? Miss Charlotte, you got your hand? Yes. I think that's just your I think that's your, I think that's your pre op appointment. So yeah, they probably won't do anything then, but yeah, we'll be praying for you. Anybody else? I know Miss Nell, you fixing to have procedure done. You gave me that note this morning. Let me read that. Sure as well, I was gonna forget it, but she's she's going in Tuesday, September seventeenth. I'm sorry, thirteenth. I can't even read it's right in front of me. Tuesday, September thirteenth at uh, at one p.m. in Tyler. So be praying for Miss Nell. She's gonna get. She's gonna get. She told me she's gonna get full of pep and energy. So looking forward. Looking forward to her coming in here running circles around us. And uh, we look. We praise God for you, sister. Thank God for you. All right. Anybody else? Anything else? All right. Well, let's let's go to the Lord in word of prayer. And uh, let's ask him to meet with us this morning. Father, we just love you. Lord, we thank you and we lift up all these requests. Lord God, we just pray, Father, for your, uh, Lord, your, 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 to move in this service. Father, we ask your spirit to move. Lord, we ask you to uh, speak to our hearts and, and, Lord, confirm, Lord, these things that, that Brother Tino is going to share with us. Lord, it just, just let it be a brick on top of brick, building up our faith. And, and Lord, I know these things are, things that we see by sight, Lord, and we understand with our mind, but, Lord, that they, they accompany our faith, to strengthen our faith, to help us to to, uh, to stand firmly on the Word of God. And, Lord, we're so grateful for him, and, Lord, that you've called him and laid on his heart this ministry, Lord, to uh, to bring comfort to the to the people of God, that the Bible's true, and, Lord, that we, we're, we're definitely on the right path. And, Lord, we're so grateful for, for, Lord, him and all that he's doing for you, and, Lord, to ask you to continue to bless his ministry. Bless each one of us, Holy Ghost of God. Speak to our hearts this morning. Take up this offering, Lord. We take this offering up now, and we ask you, Lord, to use it for your kingdom, Lord, and we just ask you to bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We're going to take up offering this morning to help them as they go on their way. So you give Then I repent. 
Silver line, I've got a 
memory of an unclouded day. Oh, they tell me that he smiles on his children there, and his smile drives their sorrows all away. And they tell me that no tears ever come again. sing one with me before Tino, before Tino gets started. So, let's see if I got it in this book. I don't know. No, go ahead and bring yours because I don't. Yeah, I have it in this one. But I'll sing it in this one too. I can do one. It'll make a difference. Yes, that would work, and then you've got two. Two, two, share it.
Mm-hmm. All right. Well, praise God. I have enjoyed Brother Tino and Sister Robin being with us this week, and it's always a blessing to have 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 them here. And uh, I'm looking forward to what Brother Tino's got for us this morning. So give him your attention. We're going to pray and ask God to, to give him what he needs, and we're going to turn him loose. Amen. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we ask you, Lord, this morning, put your hand on Brother Tino. Use him for your honor and glory. Edify us, Lord, as we as we come to learn. And we'll give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Tino, come on. I thought maybe I had to go down like this and I'm talking. <laughs> All right. All right. I'm Tino Gropi, Genesis Evidence Ministry. You've already met Robin. Timmy back there. Uh, we we really like coming down to Texas. We've met a few churches here that have um, really been of a kindred spirit and have uh, been very good to us. And uh, this trip we tried to we had to pack a lot. Texas is a long way from Wisconsin. So when we come here, we got to do everything we possibly can because otherwise we are not going to get another chance. So we went to the ICR Museum in Dallas. We went to the Paluxy River and Carl Baugh's Museum in, in uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, Glen Rose. I was thinking Glen Falls. That's New York. But in, in Glen Rose, went uh, uh, to Mount Blanco Fossil Museum, uh, where, uh, Joe Taylor's Museum, where I got a lot of my artifacts and fossils from. Um, we went to uh, Roswell to check out all the UFO stuff. I mean, we got we got to do all this stuff when we're here, even though it's two, three hours drive everywhere we go. But it's better than eighteen hours drive everywhere we go. And so pray for us. We got to drive sixteen hours back to Wisconsin, and I got to work Tuesday. And so we got to do as much of the driving as we can today, and then finish it up tomorrow. Get home, get some time to go to bed, so I can get up to the work. And uh, I'm I, I'm on part. I'm, I retired, so I'm, I only work part-time a couple of days a week. And so it's going to make them days kind of rough get coming out after two weeks of uh, vacation time here. Anyway, I will be doing this morning my, my normal Sunday morning message, which is kind of a, a panorama of, of the creation issue and the Bible issue and different things. And uh, anybody who wants to, today's your last chance. Come check out this stuff. If there's anything you want to ask about it, Better ask about it because we're gonna after service we'll start packing it up so we can hit the road. Um, so now's your chance. Don't don't put it off till tomorrow because I won't be here tomorrow. Uh, unless something drastic happens and then I gotta call my boss and tell him I won't be to work. So anyway, every everywhere kids go nowadays, they get evolution, they get global warming, they get the liberal science thing, the public schools. TV, radio, magazines, museums, the zoo, anything, the internet, Bill Nye the Science Guy on TV. Uh, you know, they get all week long, evolution is true and, and all these things. And, all, and then we expect an hour on Sunday we're going to combat all that and first of all, the brainwashing has been done all week. Probably not going to happen. We, we, we have to up our game and try and get this information to people all the time instead of just uh, on Sunday morning. And most people don't know this stuff. Even Christians don't know this stuff, let alone lost people. And all they hear is what they've been... When we get saved, you wonder, how can people believe that garbage? But if that's all you hear, 
everywhere you go, you're going to believe it. That's why liberals vote for Joe Biden. <laughs> you know, that's all they hear. That's why people believe in evolution. They never see the other side of the story. And if they do, it comes from their own people who are mocking it. So they don't, they, they don't get the, the other side of the story. They don't get to see all this stuff. And I, I all the time think of uh, when my brother and his family and I went to the zoo one time and went to visit them. We we're from Detroit, and when I, we were kids, the Detroit Zoo was, and it might still be, one of the most elite zoos in the world. And the widest variety of animals, and all, it was a really neat place. And I went to the zoo because I wanted to see the elephants and the lions and the giraffes and polar bears and the monkeys and the gorillas. I wanted to see the animals. So now we're adults. My brother had my brother has eight kids. He might have had four at the time or something like that. We decided to go to the zoo bring his kids to the zoo and check it out. And they, they've moved a little further away so they don't get to go there as, as often. So it was kind of a, a treat for us all to go to the zoo. But every exhibit had something about either evolution or global warming or we're killing the planet and we're killing the climate. And of every single exhibit, that's not what I come If I wanted to do that, I'd turn on CNN and, and listen to the liberal broadcast propaganda all day long. I went to the zoo to see the animals. And not not to get indoctrinated and brainwashed and all this, but that's what our kids are getting. They get it 24-7, TV, radio, Internet, whatever, they're getting the wrong side of the story. And our job is to try and combat that and give them the answers. There have been several uh, surveys now. The Research Group started with a, a group by a church, a group by a research group, another church, another church. There's been other studies done by secular groups. That, that showed basically the same truth. Um, this one, okay. That, that by the time a child finishes high school, before he even goes off to college, seventy percent of children will drop out of church, out of Bible-believing churches. You know, at least conservative Bible-believing churches. Maybe not exactly like ours, but of our our ilk anyway. Seventy percent. That's think about. It. I mean, that's tragic. And the main reason that all these studies have find out is they, they're taught that the Bible is a religious book. It's like the Koran or the, or the Bahá'í Gita or some of these other religious books. They are not taught that it is relevant and factual, scientifically, historically, archaeologically, uh, prophetically, geographically. I mean, it, it can be proven true. That's what we've been doing the last few days and showing some of that stuff. And because they don't see the connection, they just think it's a religious book. And if you preach great messages on salvation, wonderful messages, but if, if they don't have any foundation where they actually believe the Bible, they actually believe it's true, they actually believe that they can trust what it says about everything, why would they trust what it says about eternal things? And so our job is to get them to, to believe the Bible. Then when somebody preaches it to them, It'll, it'll have a chance to take. And I think both are important. Um, and, and that's the dilemma I have with this stuff. If I want to do messages on all my fossils and stuff, it's really cool. That's what everybody wants to see. And I think it's valuable to show people how these things prove the Bible is true. But it's very light on Bible itself. And if I do a message, you know, just preaching on creation and preaching on, then <clears throat> I'm not using many of my fossils, and that's what everybody wants to see. 
So it's, I was asking the Lord, Lord, give me a message that I can have a message that incorporates a bunch of this stuff, but at the same time, is a Bible message that uses the Bible. And the Lord finally gave me a few, a few of them, and we'll, we'll be taking a look at, at one of them right now. But the Barna Group study, uh, this is uh, a comparison of what it was like in the past compared to what it is now. Um, they took a survey... And 24% of the people believe the Bible was scripture, that it was the word of God. That's not that many. When I was a kid, it would probably have been 90%. And even, even unsaved people would have said, well, yeah, the Bible is the word of God. The Bible is scripture. Even lost people would have said that. And there was only a handful of uh, academic uh, atheists and stuff that kind of kept their beliefs uh, in the corner because uh, they didn't want to come out in public because people would mock them. So now only 24% keep the scripture. Wow, what's it going to be like next generation? 30% do believe it's a good moral book, it has good moral teachings. The problem with that is Jesus claims to be the Son of God, and the Bible claims all these things that, that, that we're looking at really happen and are true. Creation, the flood, David and Goliath, and all that stuff claims it's true, claims that Jesus is God in the flesh, uh, came down to be, you know, be flesh. That means he'd be lying if it wasn't true, and the book wouldn't be very moral. A book telling you lies about the most important thing is not very moral. So they're they're admitting they think the Bible is moral, but they're also admitting they're they're contradicting themselves. They're a walking contradiction if they believe that if they don't believe it's scripture. Nineteen percent of the people believe believe that the Bible is irrelevant. We can just ignore it. Who cares? It doesn't matter one way or the other. And 27% believe the Bible is dangerous. That's more than people that believe it's scripture. And that was the previous generation. So if we take a survey of younger kids, it's going to be even worse than what we've just seen. I mean, there's kids growing up today, literally, that have never heard the name of Jesus Christ. They don't know who he is. You tell them about Jesus, the only time they've heard the word is when dad hit his uh, thumb with a hammer and said, Jesus Christ. Now, when we grew up, just living in America, you're going to hear something about the Bible, about the gospel, about Jesus, Easter, Christmas, the stories of David and Goliath and the resurrection. and You know, just if you never went to church, you, you would know that stuff. Nowadays, you can go to churches and not know that stuff. And you're sure not going to get it on TV and radio and things like that, and the movies and Hollywood. They're going to push against it, if anything. So 20% believe it's dangerous. They're right. The Bible is a dangerous book. If you reject it, there's a lot of danger. And they're rejecting it. They are in danger. Now, we looked at some of these the other day. Some of these, The Lord wants us to study. He wants us to prove things. He wants us to test things. Prove all things. Reason together. Uh, be ready to give an answer to every man and ask if you the reason of the hope that is within you. Uh, believe not every spirit, but try the spirit. God's not afraid to be put to the test. The cults are. You try and hand a gospel tract, a Jehovah's Witness or something like that, they're not allowed by their church to take it. Once in a while you get lucky and one doesn't know that and they'll take it anyway, but uh, most of the time if they know, what, know their own, their, if they know their own church, they'll say, no, we're not allowed to take that stuff. You know, It's going to corrupt us. If I have a Bible, I don't have to be afraid of anything out there. Because I, I've got God's word I can compare it to. If it's true, it's true. If it's not true, it's not true. But 
the other books. Obviously, the Word of God is true. And without faith, it is impossible to please Him. There's got to be an element of faith. But there's got to be an element of faith when you stop at a red light. That, that a, a hundred parts in your car are going to work to stop your car, that your light is the right color, that the oncoming traffic light is the right color, so they don't come. When you go at a green light, they stop. The car behind you stops. Uh, you know, you've got to believe in a thousand things by faith just to get through a traffic uh, intersection. So what's the problem? You've got to believe a few things in the Bible by faith. You've got to believe by faith just to get around this world at, at, at all. But the Bible gives us so much things by sight that we only have to have the faith the size of a grain of mustard seed. And, and that seed is getting smaller and smaller the more we discover. So we do have to have faith, but it's not a blind, dumb, ignorant faith. It's a reasoned faith. It's a proven faith. If somebody tells you the truth all the time and they tell you something that doesn't make a lot of sense, you would probably believe, well, they're telling me the truth because they're an honest person. They tell me the truth. Well, I think God's an honest person. He tells us the truth. So if we come across something in the Bible that, wow, that's kind of hard to believe. But I trust God because he tells me the truth a hundred times in a row. So this has somehow got to be the truth, even though I don't get it right now. And we need faith for the things that we can't trust by sight and believe by sight. And there's plenty of things in the Bible. The resurrection, the second coming, uh, well, the resurrection of Christ, our own resurrection, heaven, hell, prophecies, miracles. A lot of these kind of things we have to believe by faith because they're not happened yet. Uh, resurrections are not scientific. But we have to believe that by faith. But uh, it's funny how so many uh, these old age Christians they don't want to believe uh, creation and, and Noah's Ark because uh, because of the science, but then they can believe in the resurrection of Christ. So that's their scientific. So if you're going to believe one, why not believe the other? But anyway, Jesus saith, John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father unto the Father but by me. In John 8, Jesus answered and said unto them, Though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true. Emphasis on true, true. In John 18, Jesus answered, To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should be wit bear witness unto the truth. That's what he came for, to bear witness to the truth. His record is true. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And John 17, 17, speaking about the scriptures, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Not mostly true. His word is truth. And his, 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 he is truth. Those are two things in the Bible that are both called truth itself. Jesus Christ, and the Word of God. There's other things that are mentioned that are, are true or are true, but these things are specifically called, I am the truth. And sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. Word of God and God himself, Jesus Christ. And so we're going to look at that Jesus uh, said, I am the truth, from that first verse there. And so if you trust Jesus, you're probably going to believe the same things he believes. If not, one thing is wrong. Which one do you think that is? Right. Now, you think 
well, maybe Jesus is wrong because uh, he didn't have the scientific uh, knowledge that we have today. Oh, come on, come on. You, Mo- Moses was, was raised in, in the most uh, advanced country in the world. He had the best scientific uh, treatment uh, training on the planet. And he wrote Genesis and said, in the beginning, God created. The Apostle Paul was a scholar, uh, probably maybe a Sanhedrin member, but he was, he was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. And he went, had the best education uh, under the Roman Empire in Israel. So he had the best two-way education probably available in the world. And he believed in creation. It's not, and, of course, Jesus is the creator. So if you want to say, well, all these things Jesus believed, I don't know about David and Goliath and Jonah and the whale and the creation and the flood. Jesus believed them. What are you saying about Jesus? He was a liar? He was ignorant? He was a fool? Uh, man, I sure wouldn't want to be saying those things about Jesus Christ. So if you disagree with the things you're going to see and the things you've seen here, your, your argument's not with me. Your argument's with the Lord. Because he believed them. So if you don't, one of these are. You know, I'll let you figure that out. Jesus believed in creation, Adam and Eve, the global flood, Jonah and the whale, Sodom and Gomorrah, and several of these other things that we have evidence for, several other things mentioned in the Bible, mentioned in the New Testament, mentioned about Jesus himself. Here's a, a, people have been teaching evolution all along, or at least various aspects of it. We see here, Anaximander taught humans evolved from fish 600 B.C. That was before the Apostle Paul. Uh, uh, Plato, uh, Plato taught the universe came about hundreds of millions of years ago. There's your great long ages. Uh, Democritus said that primitive people spoke unintelligible sounds until language evolved. And that was where the Democrat Party got his name from. <laughs> Epicurus thought that the universe came from the chance movement of atoms. Empecrides. Uh, 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 spontaneous generation, recombination, evolution, natural selection, this is all 300, 400 B.C. Uh, the Mayans taught of a common ancestor in 600 B.C. Uh, the Hindus taught that the universe began from a seed. That's exactly what's taught in the universes today, uh, they, uh, the singularity, they call it. And ex- I, don't, I don't know. But the, the, the Hindus believe that the universe began from a seed and expanded 4.3 billion years ago. Scientists today say the Earth was made about 4.6 billion years ago. That's pretty accurate for people uh, almost 4,000 years ago. And they believe that it expanded and contracted. That's the multiverse theory and the singularity theory and some of these kind of things. And they, they postulate this stuff in 1750 B.C., so we're getting near 4,000 years ago, these people believe the same stuff they're teaching in, in the university today. Well, tomorrow, Monday. So Paul and Moses would have been very familiar with the evolutionary teaching. And most of these Greek and Roman, all would have been eminently familiar with them. He denied them. It wasn't that he was stupid. Same thing with Moses. He knew all that stuff. He just said, it's not true. It's not right. So it's not because they were dumb, and, and of course Jesus, you know, I don't think he's in. But we'll start getting into some of these things. Jesus said, say it, I am the truth. Here's something else he said. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the Son of Man. 
They did eat, they drank, and married wives. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. Jesus believed in Noah. He believed in the ark. He's not just telling a made-up story that he didn't believe. He's using this as an illustration as it was in the days of Noah, so it shall be in his days. Son of man. He's just, so he's not making up, making up a story saying, uh, I'm a fairy tale just like, just like this account. And Noah entered into the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. That's Jesus Christ speaking. If you don't believe in Noah, you don't believe in the ark, you don't believe in the flood, you don't believe it destroyed them all, which is going to make it worldwide, then your issue is not with me. Your issue is not with science. Your issue is with Jesus Christ. I hate to put you in that position, but that's just that's what it is. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. He's comparing this to himself. Noah is talking about a global flood. Now take, take a look at that globe. How could you not believe in a global flood? And that might be in my next slide. It might show a better picture. Yeah. Why is it so hard? I mean, there's the earth turned a little bit. you got uh, the Americas on the right and uh, Asia on the left, and it's almost all water on that side. The earth is 70% covered with water. Why is it so hard to believe in a flood when it's almost flooded now? The only reason it's not flooded now is because of the mountain ranges around the coastlines of most of the continents, and that pushes it up. If those mountain ranges were flat, the whole world would be flooded today. Right now, there's enough water in the oceans to flood the earth now, uh, a mile, almost a mile deep. No matter how good of a swimmer you are, you ain't going to make it. So why do people find it so hard to believe in a flood? Because the Bible said there was one. It's not science. They believe in a flood on Mars. Uh, one scientist I quoted before, he said he believed in a, a flood of biblical proportions. That's just what we're talking about. On Mars. You know how much water they have found on Mars? Not one drop. They find some features on Mars that look like they might have been made by a flood. Maybe they were. The Bible talks about waters in the heavens. There could have been water. It could have been flooded, but there's no proof of it. They found some salt on Mars. And they see that must prove there was salt water. It could just prove there was salt. <laughs> but even whether there was or wasn't, there's no water there. And they believe in a global flood on Mars. But they can't believe in one on earth? That's because it's a matter of the heart. It's not a matter of the facts. It's not a matter of the science. You're looking at it right there. How could you not believe that, that a global flood is impossible on earth? Matter of fact, there's all, there's all kind of evidence of a global flood. We've got uh, clams on the, that are closed. The top half mile of Mount Everest, the tallest mountain in the world, is comprised totally of fossilized sea life. What is fossilized sea life doing on the tallest mountain in the world? Clams? How do they get there? They don't have legs. They don't have wings. Uh, maybe they took an Uber or something or a lift. Uber. How else did it, you know how they, because the, the world was once flooded and the mountains were once underwater and sea life died and coated the mountains and the flood is what pushed the mountains up and made the mountains. They were probably, before the flood, there were the mountains the size of the earth and age. There were things that were called mountains, we probably call them hills. But uh, the, the cataclysmic event of the flood pushed valleys down, pushed mountains up. And that's where all the sea life came from. It was it was before the sea at one point. 
there's mountains under the sea right now that are taller than uh, Mount Everest, but they're totally under under the ocean. And the Mariana Trench, different things like that. Uh, so not only that, these are clams are closed. Clams, when they die, obviously their muscles die, they, they open up. You go to the beach, you can find all kind of half shells. You don't find many closed shells, not at the beach. You find them buried and fossilized where something held them closed, like pressure from a flood or the soot and the mud and everything that the flood would have brought in. They died and were held closed. Otherwise, they'd have opened up. This is not proof of millions of years. This is proof that something happened rapidly fossilizing them. Uh, just like you see this uh, ichthyosaur down there was in the middle of giving birth, and it was fossilized that quick. You don't fossilize something in the middle of giving birth. You don't just say, stop, wait. I want to take a picture of this. Stop. No. Something uh, destroyed or killed this, uh, this fish, the ichthyosaur, and preserved it in the middle of giving birth, before it could finish giving birth. That had to be, that can take millions of years. That, father, that, that, that fish didn't sit there and take millions of years to give birth so we could have a picture of it in the middle of giving birth. No, it happened rapidly, just the opposite of what evolution says. The Krukowski Quarry, about an hour away from us, never been there. I want to go there. I've driven by it, but uh, they found thousands of jellyfish fossils. Think of what a jellyfish is. It's a blob of goo. If you leave a jellyfish out for millions of years, it's not going to become a fossil. The sun's going to bake it away. The wind's going to wash it away. The rain's going to wash it away. Uh, animals are going to eat it. Insects will eat it. Uh, other microbes will, will take care of the rest of it, and they will be gone in no time. How do you get thousands of fossils of jellyfish? Because they were killed and preserved rapidly, immediately almost, or they didn't decay, or they'd have been scavenged. So there's all kind of evidence proving the Bible too, proving the global flood that Jesus just spoke about. Jesus spoke about Noah and the ark and the, and the, when the flood was worldwide. Sure enough, we find evidence that it's true. So why wouldn't we believe Jesus when the evidence shows that he's right? Well, of course, of course he's right. Jesus, again, saith, I am the truth. Well, let's take a look, is he? Uh, the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be when the Son of Man is revealed. Again, he's comparing Sodom and Gomorrah to his return. So he's not comparing it to a myth, unless his return is a myth, which then let's just throw our Bibles away and go to the bar. You know, and eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. <laughs> but no, no, the Bible's true. And and if you think, well, it, it wasn't talking about the sin that they're, you know, it's talking about inhospitality, not not uh, sodomy, homosexuality. Over in Jude, it says, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication, talking about sexual sin, and going after strange flesh, which is just what they do, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. So Sodom and Gomorrah is an example to us, and here is some, some ground uh, from supposedly the land of Gomorrah. They're not exactly sure which cities are which over there, uh, uh, but they know there's a areas that are a bunch of ash. And uh, I mentioned when we brought this up the other day, I went to uh, Mount St. Helens back in about the year 2000. It, it erupted in 1980, 
and when it erupted, it destroyed everything in the direction that it, that it blew. It blew sideways, and it destroyed everything and made it look just like this. But when I was there only 20 years later, everything was already grown back. Birds, animals, trees, plants, you name it. Now it's been 20 years since then, you probably would not even know there was ever a volcano unless you knew ahead of time there was a volcano or he got right up to it. Because if you were there, it just looks, it, it's all grown back. It's just, it's back to normal in, in just 40 years, less than 40 years. But Sodom and Gomorrah, where God destroyed, it's still this way after 4,000 years. That tells you God's showing us how serious he takes sin and how serious he takes that particular sin. And then we've got the homosexuals that are using his rainbow as their symbol of pride. We're sin in the Bible. You think God's going to just sit still and let them use the symbol that he used when he destroyed the earth? So he's not going to do it by water again. He's going to do it by fire. And they're mocking God by using that rainbow as their symbol of, the, of perverted stuff. Uh, God, that's not going to work out well for them. So that's what Jesus said. Again, so the evidence backs up Jesus again. What do you know? Maybe he knew what he was talking about after all. Jesus saith, I am the truth. Well, I'm starting to think maybe he is. But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. Oh, man, does, does Jesus ever need to, to read a modern website and find out there's 57 different genders now? He thought there was just two. Male and female. You know, the, the, the homosexual acronym, the LGBT, whatever, the B stands for bisexual. Yeah. Right in their own acronym, it's two sexes. The ones that are against the two sexes, it's right in their own name that they're two sexes. The bisexual means two sexes. That's what it means. Anyway, and then just to show the history, uh, which was the son of Enos, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, which was the son of God. So it gave the whole genealogy of Jesus Christ. So did Jesus descend from a myth? Did Jesus descend from a half-ape, half-human monkey, a mutant monkey? I, I don't think so. Uh, he says from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. What does the science say? Does the science back up Jesus or, or Jesus was just ignorant? Well, look at this, the science uh, they've come up with mito uh, check now that we know uh, how to decode the DNA and uh, and we've we've looked uh, at more information than ever before as our technology is advancing. We found out that according to the mitochondria, which is the female uh, part inside the DNA, and the Y chromosome, which of course is the male part, we have found out all human beings, all races. I mean, Africans, Europeans, Asians. Eskimos, you name it, uh, Aborigines, everybody's DNA shows they came from one common mother and one common father. Wow, I read that somewhere before. And I know the originals were named Adam and Eve, and then at the flood there was a bottleneck and we ended up with Noah and his wife. There's some traditions for what her name was, and I forget what it is now, but it doesn't specify in the Bible. And so all people come from common from the same common mother, same common father. We all come from, from one of We're all related in, in that regard. So, they, you know, they take all these, you know, cavemen stuff, 
and, and try and make, you know, they take skulls and make monkeys and the men and things. But uh, Neanderthal man, which is a skull here, they've got artist representations of what they thought Neanderthal man was, and this, that's what a couple of these here. But if you took Neanderthal man uh, had jewelry, buried his dead, had ceremonies, um, uh, I'm trying to think, he made musical instruments, uh, made a flute, and, and it and plays on our scale. They use aspirin. They knew how to make aspirin out of a uh, plant. They knew how to make penicillin. That's Neanderthal, man. How many people here can make penicillin? <laughs> so Neanderthal, man, might not be as stupid as you think. He might be smarter than you. <laughs> so, uh, you know, they try to make Neanderthal, man, out to be, you know, caveman, you know, evolving from an ape to a man. No, Neanderthal, man, was smarter than we are. And if you take this, this Neanderthal man and give him a bath and, and give him a little bit of a shave and you saw him walking down the street, he wouldn't look any different than, than, than somebody like this. <laughs> and I probably should have waited until I got my love offering before I did. <laughs> okay, so... That's what Neanderthal meant. But that's a compliment. I'm not saying that you're smart, you're intelligent. <laughs> Again, Jesus saith, I am the truth. Look, everything we see, we see the evidence backs it up. The evidence backed up uh, Adam and Eve, and it backed up Noah and the flood, and, and, it, and it backed up uh, what we just looked at here, the Neanderthal man, and all that. Uh, I forget what the point was now. <laughs> As Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly. You're saying Jesus believed in Jonah and the whale? Yep, that's him speaking here. So shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. He not only believed it, he's comparing Jonah to the gospel that saves us. Do you think he's comparing it to a myth, to a made-up story? That's the gospel that saves us, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that he's comparing right here to Jonah being swallowed by the whale and then viewed back out later, comparing it to the saving gospel. Of course he's, he believes it. And Luke 2.34 said, a sign which shall be spoken against. Boy, they speak against that more than anything because, you know, there's, no, there's not much scientific evidence of, of a whale's uh, great fish swallowing people. Without and then surviving it. Well, it could have been just a miracle, or it could have been, it could have been a special uh, fish God made just for that instance. And we have had people get swallowed by sea life and maybe not digested and spit back out and still survive. So there's there's some evidence that it could have been possible. But even if not, even if God had to make a special fish just for Jonah, that, that that's not too hard for God. And Jesus believed in it and use it to, to illustrate the gospel that we get saved by. So he's not talking about a myth. Uh, there is some evidence of, of, of the Jonah account, uh, even though maybe not so much the actual whale swallowing him, but the, the letters of Ashurbanipal in the library of Nineveh, Nineveh date back to the time of, of Jonah. And they talk about the king fasting, like it does in Jonah. People getting worried about it, just like it mentions in Jonah that he consulted with his nobles, like advisors they call them here, nobles in the Bible, 
they wore the clothes of a nurse and sat in a hut, your uh, ashes and sackcloth. So it has many details that fit exactly the account of Jonah and the whale in their library. I, I love how God's enemies and, and stuff are the ones that defend the stories in the Bible because they're the ones that have the records of it and they almost always comport with the Bible. And we, we've got uh, Dagon, the fish god, that's hints of Jonah and the whale. In 3 BC, a Babylonian priest uh, named Barosus uh, wrote that uh, Johannes emerged from the sea. Uh, they actually have Jonah's tomb. And uh, back in 2014, ISIS tried to destroy it. I don't remember how successful they were, but Josephus and his stuff attested the reality of Jonah. So Jonah was a real character, and the accounts in the book of Jonah were all are all documented uh, historically. So it looks like Jesus was right again. Maybe when Jesus said, I am the truth, we've got to take him seriously. Uh, maybe if Jesus believes something, we ought to believe the same thing. Maybe he's probably right. When I first got saved, that was one of the things uh, I, I started reading the book of Jonah, and I remember praying about it specifically, saying, Lord, um, and I've only been saved, you know, weeks, maybe a month or two, and read, read, reading the book of Jonah, I said, Lord, this is real hard to believe. And I said, but, but Lord, I know I'm supposed to believe it. You know, and I, I don't know if I can believe the story about it. I don't know if I can swallow the story about a whale swallowing a man. But I know it's in the Bible, and the Bible is supposed to be true. And can you please give me, you know, give me some help believing this? Whoa, he sure did. <laughs> he sure did. He answered that prayer. So again, Jesus saying, I am the truth. I'm starting to believe him after all this. Now maybe you should too. And Jesus answering is, uh, them said, had he not read so much as this, what David did uh, when he himself was in hunger and they which were with him. And I just want to point out, he believed in literal events that happened in David's life. Doesn't specifically say believe he believed in David and Goliath, but it does say he believed in David and specific things in his life. So we could assume he believes what the what the Bible says about David, and David being king in the kingdom of Israel, and David slaying slaying Goliath. It would make sense that Jesus believed all those details if he believed this this one about him uh, eating the showbread on the Sabbath and whatever. Uh, we didn't have evidence of any sort. For the kingdoms of Israel until 1993, and oh, I got this actual replica of the stone over there. Uh, 1993, they discovered this uh, this uh, the Tel Dan cell that describes a battle between Hazael and, and the kings of uh, Israel, and it mentions four kings of Israel and four kings of other nations that were involved in, in the battle. It, it covers two chapters in the Bible, and it clearly mentions the house of David. And like I said, three other kings of Israel and, and four other kings from the, from the neighboring countries. The first evidence we ever found that absolutely confirmed that David truly existed and the kingdom of Israel truly existed. They had no evidence before that. What evidence they did find, they misassigned to different dates and different times and different places, so they didn't put it all together that it was confirming the kingdom of Israel. Well, since, since they found this, and that was, you know, 1993. Since they found this, now they found some other other things that they found. So, wow, you know, these other things go along with that. We misplaced them, misdated them. And now they've got a bunch of evidence. 
for the kingdoms, uh, kingdom of David and the kingdom of Israel. So our parents had to believe this Old Testament pretty much 100% by faith. Now we can believe it by sight. We don't need near as much faith as our own parents need. Maybe that's why the church was stronger back in those days. They had more faith, but um, then again, I, I kind of like having this evidence to confirm our faith. So Jesus was right again. Jesus saith, I am the truth. He keeps saying that, so I'm, I'm starting to believe it. Uh, Jesus answered and said unto them, destroy this temple, talking about his body. Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then said the Jews, 46 years uh, was this temple in the building. They're talking about the physical building. Uh, and wilt thou rear it up in three days? But he spake of the temple of his body. When therefore he was risen from the dead, notice they didn't understand it or believe it until after it happened. But nonetheless, when he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said unto them, uh, said this unto them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. But it wasn't until after it happened, they said, oh, yeah, Jesus told us about that. It didn't make any sense. It went in one ear out the other. Now we get it. And then, and then, so Jesus talked about the resurrection. Well, that's not scientific. I mean, uh, but Jesus believed it. He just, he just said it was going to happen before it happened. So maybe, maybe Jesus knows what he's talking about. And we've got uh, this thing uh, called the Nazareth inscription, and I have a, a replica of it here. And what it does is it is a, a, an abridged part of the law. And so the actual law was probably written a few years before that. This dates to within about 10 years of the resurrection. So the original law was probably written a few years of the resurrection. They had a problem in that part of the world. They had an empty tomb that was giving them fits. They couldn't explain how come the guy wasn't in. We put him in there, we sealed it, and then he's gone. And now all these people are worshiping him, and they're not worshiping Caesar. And, uh, man, things are a mess. We don't want this to happen again. And they went straight to Caesar, not their local government. I mean, if you had an issue, you'd probably go to the local police, local court, you know, maybe the sheriff or, or state government if you can get satisfaction there. But you don't call Caesar. You've got a problem. You don't call the White House or the Capitol building. Hey, I mean, nobody does that. They did because the problem was such a big deal to them. And it was also a big deal to Caesar because he's the one that wanted to be, you know, revered and worshipped. And they're worshipping this Jesus fellow that was missing from the tomb. <laughs> and so the Romans cremated. They didn't bury what the Jews did. Well, he didn't have to pass a law that uh, covered everybody because it wasn't a problem uh, in in Roman areas, it was a problem in Israel. So he wrote a law applicable only in Israel that if you steal a body, you, you suffer capital punishment for it. And there was no other reason to, to, to write a law like that except that they had a problem with it. Well, we all know what that problem was, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So Jesus says, I am the truth. He spoke of the resurrection. Again, we have physical, scientific or at least historical evidence, that he's telling the truth. The resurrection, he's telling the truth. And we've got evidence backing it up. That's saying something, because the resurrections are not scientific. But Jesus saith, I am the truth. And we keep checking him out, and he keeps turning out that he is the truth. 
Jesus answering, it said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. So Jesus mentioned Jericho. And in Hebrews 11.30, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. The marching band took down uh, the walls of Jericho. They didn't even have to attack. And uh, here's what Time Magazine did, did an article, score one for the Bible, improved the account of the walls of Jericho was true. And they proved every detail of it was true. Uh, archaeologists in the past, we had some that found the city of Ai, uh, that there was a different city of Ai than the one that was next to Jericho. But for years, they said, look, we found Ai, and there's no Jericho here. The Bible's wrong. Until we did some further research, Brian Wood followed up on John Garstang's uh, research and found the city of Ai. And it was a different city than the one the other people had found, a different location. And what do you know? They led them to find Jericho. And they found the you know, remains of the walls of Jericho. So there's, just, I mean, there's two Antiochs in the Bible, Antioch of Syria, Antioch of Pisidia. There are Madisons and Washingtons and cities like that all over the country. Uh, there is a, there's a city in Wisconsin. Oh, what was the name of it? Let's just say Schofield. That's not that that's a, but it, but it was. I typed it into my GPS and it gave me the wrong one. And I knew which direction I was supposed to go, so I knew that wasn't the right one. I had to look up and find the right one. And there were two cities in Wisconsin with the same name in the same state. And my GPS would have led me to the wrong one, but I knew the other one was north of Green Bay. So I finally figured it out. And so, so there's another city named AI. Oh, what a surprise. Around here, we've got Paris, we've got Detroit, we've got Bogota, Bogota, all kinds of cities named Palestine. So that's no big deal. But it proved, it proved the Bible in every detail that the city was occupied and fortified when the Bible said it was, that Israel had a kingdom when the Bible said it did. Uh, at the correct area, the correct date, they found Cypriot pottery, Egyptian scarabs that they would expect to find at the time. Uh, they found uh, in, in the rubble, they found a plaque with the pharaoh's name of the pharaoh that was reigning at the time. Now, that's interesting. That'd be like excavating somebody's house from the 1980s that uh, their house had been uh, rubbed, you know, torn down and rubble under it. And you excavate the house and you found out they had a picture of Ronald Reagan. Well, here you found they, get, they got a, a plaque with the pharaoh's name on it from the pharaoh that was reigning at the time. That's a pretty good indicator they had the right date, the right place, the right thing, the right time. They found the north gate. They found the walls fell outward. If you're attacking a city, you're not going to knock the walls outward on yourself. That'd be suicide. You would knock the walls inward. But the walls fell outward because God said they would fall outward, and it was because the marching band was marching around playing Hail to the Vickers, the Michigan fight song. <laughs> and we know there's seven times around, oh, you guys think they, they play a Texan song, or he thinks they play an Arkansas song. No, they play Hail to the Victors, the Michigan fight song. And, and the walls fell flat, 15 or 20 feet of stone wall, 15 or 20 feet of wood wall on top of that, and the top half of the wall fell down. So they just had a nice ramp to walk right into the city and take over. You know, welcome, it's like a welcome mat. Ooh, everything falls down, come on in. And they went in, and God said, burn everything. Destroy it. Burn it. But, but Rahab the harlot, good, good to the spies. She hid the spies. She was good to the Jews. 
Rahab, if you put a thread in your house and, and in your window, we will leave your dwelling alone. And if you ever see the, the schematic of how thing, uh, houses and homes were around this thing, you can, uh, can understand how one house off in the corner could have been protected and not burned. Probably had some smoke issues, whatever, but it wouldn't necessarily have killed them, although the areas in, in tight where they were all bunched together, uh, it, would, it would more likely have killed everybody, even if their dwelling wasn't, wasn't on fire. But it, we found the evidence that everything in Jericho would burn but one house. What's the odds of that? A coincidence. Not only that, the Bible makes this casual mention that it was harvest time. And you think, well, that's so insignificant. Who cares? But they found dozens of jars of grain in the rubble, proving that most minute detail of the Bible is absolutely true. Not just the, the general story, but every word, every little detail true. You can believe the entire King James Bible. Uh, here's some more proof of it. We looked like this the other day, the Pool of Bethesda that wasn't discovered until about 1960. And uh, the modern versions, of course, because there was no evidence for it, they, named, they called it something different in the modern versions, if they even mentioned it at all. Same thing with the city of Tregillium was found about the same time. It was mentioned in, in Acts 20.15. I could not find it mentioned in any other version. Maybe it's in. I looked at about two dozen. I've got two dozen or so at home. And Tregillium is just dropped off of the verse. It's in the Greek. But they never found evidence for the city of Tregillium, so all the other versions left it off. Then they found evidence, oh, there was a city of Tregillium, and they rebuilt it, and now it's got, they call it, it's got the best uh, uh, fish restaurant in the Aegean Sea. And uh, we also talked about the coins of Diana that were found uh, in Greece at the, at the, at the time of uh, uh, the goddess Diana using the Latin name for the Greek equivalent, of, uh, which would have been Artemis. So, you know, we know that verses in the Bible beyond history, beyond what evidence that we can find. Sometimes it takes us years to find it, and then we go, aha, the Bible was right all along. And that's exactly what happened in these cases, is the Bible was right all along. So again, Jesus said, I am the truth. Okay? Uh, if I have told you earthly things, that's all this stuff we've been looking at, and all the things we've been mentioning, is earthly things. If I have told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? Resurrection, the rapture, the second coming, heaven, hell, those kind of things. John 5, uh, it says, For had ye believed Moses, who wrote Genesis, among the first five books of the Bible, had ye believed Moses, ye would have believed me. Because they're telling him, oh, we believe Moses. He's saying, no, you don't. You'd have believed Moses, you'd have believed because I am the truth. <laughs> Jesus saith, I am the truth. I believe in Moses, how come you don't? That's what he's saying. He said, had you believed Moses, you would have believed in me, for he wrote of me. But if he believed not his writings, how shall you believe my words? Now, it's not, it's not saying necessarily you can't be saved if you don't believe in creation. But it sure is pointing out you're going to come to a confrontation with that eventually. Do I believe the Bible, or do I believe what Dr. So-and-so said when I was taught in school, if he said something different than the Bible, which they, they mostly do? You have to, you got to decide. God right, or these scientists right? 
Jesus saith, I am the truth. Well, he continues, uh, but I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. Romans uh, 14, very similar verse, so then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. We give account to God. Mommy and Daddy won't be there with you. Preacher won't be there with you. Whoever led you to Christ won't be there with you. Brother and sister, priest, pope, pastor, it will be you and God. Nobody else. You have to give account for yourself. Not for, well, well the church taught this, and I believed it. Uh, that's what the scholars said, so that's what I believed it. Well, that's what they taught at the seminary. No, you're going to give account for you and God and what you get out of God's word. That's what it says. Jesus saith, I am the truth, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Wow, there's a way out. See, if we believe, if Romans 6.23 is probably my favorite verse in the Bible, for the wages of sin is death. If that was the end of the verse, we're in trouble. Because we all have wages of sin. Maybe maybe not as much sin as the guy next to you, but so what? Sin is still sin. Heaven is perfect. Why? If God allowed a sin into heaven, it wouldn't be heaven. Before long, it would be earth. <laughs> and this, ain't, this ain't that great of a place the way things are going. All right, heaven's got to be pure. So that means we have to be made pure somehow because we're not. In our state, we can't get into heaven. If that was the end of the verse, we'd be in trouble. But the most important word in the whole Bible comes next. For the wages of sin is death, but but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He provided the way out. Trust him. Not you, not your church, not your pastor, post, uh, pope, priest, whatever. I mean, you can believe certain things and put some stock in some things, but ultimately you need the only thing that's going to save you is Jesus Christ. Baptism won't save you. The church won't save you. Sacraments won't save you. Mary can't save you. Mary would need a Savior herself. All right. Put your faith in Jesus Christ because nothing else will do it. Nothing else. How good you are, doesn't matter how good you are. I mean, it does matter as far as being good. It doesn't matter as far as going to heaven, though, because none of us can be good enough. Because you've got to be perfect. Or otherwise, it's not heaven. You know, we go, oh, a good, loving God would never send anybody to heaven. How come we don't look, look at it that way in, in real life, that somebody commits mass murder or rape or arson, we don't say, be good, loving, judge, never put them in prison or never execute them. No, we say just the opposite. We're going to tear them apart. Somebody rapes babies? Ha, kill him. Make it painful even. I mean, that's the, you know, our attitude. So why don't we give God that same uh, attitude? Why do we think God has to let everybody in the heaven? Or God, God has to be, God is loving and good and kind, but he's also just and righteous and holy. So if his justice had to be met, his holiness and righteousness had to be met, so he could show his mercy and his grace and his love. So Jesus Christ died in our place. That met the justice and the righteousness and the holiness that we can't do. And Jesus just says, basically, 
said, your credit card's not working in that machine. Here, take mine. It works. Now, you can say, oh, I'm going to keep using mine. And then you pay for your own wages. You get your own wages sent, and you go to hell, and you burn forever. Or you can say, oh, thank you, Lord. I'll take yours. And he says, good. Give me yours. He'll take the bad one. And it's that simple. It's it's, it's basically just a a contract. Uh, I'll exchange my sin for your righteousness. I'll take that deal anytime. I don't want to try and get to heaven on my own righteousness because I won't make it. Neither will you. I do want to trust Jesus Christ's righteousness because he and Jesus said, "I am the truth." And we just seen a dozen uh, illustrations in a row proving that he was the truth, proving that the, the crazy things in the Old Testament that he believed, there's evidence backing them up that they're true. I'm going to trust Jesus, and I hope you will if you haven't. And Brother Teague, I'm finished, so you can come close us out how you see fit. Invitation as right. you want. Praise God. How many of y'all, how many of y'all enjoyed him? And I hope folks watching this morning, I hope they got something from it as well. And maybe, maybe, maybe you never know, might be a preacher might catch it and get a hold of it. They won't know how to add me in. So let, let anybody watching know. If you want to, get a hold of me and I'll, I'll get, him, get him lined up for you. But anyway, we're going we're gonna to stand here just a moment. You wait stand with me. We'll wait stand. We'll have a, we'll have a word of prayer and uh, be dismissed. And uh, we'll be back tonight at 6. How many of y'all come back tonight at 6? We'll get a handful together, amen. All right. Well, y'all remember to pray for the Joanne. Pray for Tino and, and Robin and Timmy as they travel. They're going to be leaving here in just a little bit and heading out, heading toward Wisconsin. So they'll be getting back tomorrow. Y'all pray for them a safe journey home. And I'm glad all y'all were here this morning. Appreciate everybody that's been here this week for all of this. And uh, we just we appreciate, we appreciate God's people. Minister to the church. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Ask God to bless us. Father, we just thank you so much. Lord, thank you so much for the truth. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to, to hope that it's true. Lord, the Word of God proves itself to be true. And Lord, we're thankful for this concurring evidence that gives a second witness to the Bible. Lord, that confirms with us with evidence that it is real. And that we can have faith. Lord, that we can proclaim this to other people, and that we, Lord, it just it just solidifies in us, Lord, that everything you said to us, Lord, is real, and it's going to take place exactly like you said it would. Lord, I pray you give Brother Tino, uh, Lord, proof for his labor everywhere he goes. Lord, continue to bless him and prosper his ministry. And Lord, we just ask you, please, to, Lord, let these things resonate in us. Lord, may we not just uh, take them in and nod our heads forget it. The Lord, that we, as we go about our lives, Lord, we're going to we're going to be confronted with lies. We're going to be confronted with errors. Father, help us to, uh, Lord, to uh, be apologists for the truth. Lord, stand up for what we've learned, what we know to be true, and to, Lord, uh, combat lies and errors with the truth, Father. Take the Word of God and the truth that we know and Lord. And we just pray that you'll help us now in the days to come. Lord, make us soldiers Bless us now. Bless Brother Tino and, and his ministry. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, we're listening. God bless you. Come, come look quick. You answer any questions they got, right? Either that or I'll have you answer. Okay. <laughs> What's the
Yeah. Golden rocks. Is it this one here that was the, the, the ash, ash? Yep. And this was what? That's just a sponge that picked up space. Fall break. If there was ever an artifact that was found that was from before the flood, it would, that would be it. Because the flood destroyed everything. So I don't Anybody ever find in Europe the bubble? I don't know that was actually I Yeah. The, the winter, the winter uh, puppies. Have you ever 
Uh, there you hey, go. Dairy Queen. Do you read Dairy Queen? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know it's not the Well, yeah, yeah. So yeah, they got, they got, and with the gravy, what do you, what do, you do? You dip the, yeah. dip the noodles. Like three or whatever. Yeah. Okay, we're going to go to Dairy Queen for lunch. I think that's what they're doing. Can you see the little sky? I think it was a little sky. Yeah, but it's kind of dirty. They have a little miniature one. I'm just moving. I'm just moving some things to the quarry, brother. I'm not taking them out. He's, he's, he's fine. 
Okay. 
Mamá no es llegada por bien que la Timmy, thank you for letting her play with them. Savannah, you better tell Timmy thank you for letting me play. 
Come to daddy. 